welcome back to our Ephesians study. So glad that you decided to join us for another installment of that. Uh, let me just say this before we dive in. If you haven't um, caught the previous uh, sessions of this study, I encourage you to go back because they are incredible. They are life-giving. Uh, they are words of encouragement and words of wisdom. And, uh, and not because it's Pastor Kelly or myself talking, but because of the words that we see on the pages of Scripture. So go back and do that. Um, and pick it back up wherever you left off. Start again if you need to. I mean, we are calling it begin again, so it's okay if you need to do that. But don't fall off. Continue with this. It will be good for you. So a few weeks ago, we began looking at Ephesians chapter 4. And I want to just recapture some of the big ideas that we've learned so far so that we know where we're going. Because we have this anchor idea. And really, the beginning of the chapter is the anchor. And, and what we learned there is that uh, as a result of what Christ did for us, which was really the first three chapters of the book of Ephesians, um, right off the bat in 4 it says, Because of that, uh, you are to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. And a result of that, as a result of what Christ did, uh, you are called to live differently than you did before you had Christ in your life, before you were saved, before the moment of salvation. And part of that is that we live in, con in the context of the body of Christ, the local church. You are called to participate in that. But the other thing is, is we're called to move on from the lifestyle that we lived before we had Christ. And we are called into a new way of thinking and living and acting. So we learned about halfway through uh, in Ephesians in, in 4.17 uh, through 21, that first section that we did a couple weeks ago of the second half of 4, we learned that before Christ, before our salvation, our thinking was futile. And it really means that it was incapable of producing anything meaningful. So we're called out of that way of thinking. We're called out of the type of thinking that led to very destructive behaviors, uh, to things that were life-giving and full of purpose and full of meaning um, and, and behaviors that were really good for ourselves and for those around us. And so because of that, we learn about Christ. When, when, we, when we study Christ, we observe how to live. We observe His teachings. And then, of course, we have the Holy Spirit working in our life, and it changes completely the way that we live. We're no longer on a path to destruction, but now we are on a path towards purpose and meaning and life. And so that's that's where we ended the last two weeks. And so we're going to continue closing out chapter four over the next two weeks. And today we're going to be covering verses 25 through 28 in chapter four. And they really cover a few specific behaviors that we are to avoid. And they give us recommendations or rather counterweights to how we should live in light of what Christ did in our lives. So let me just read this to you. Verse 25 of chapter 4 in Ephesians says, Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. So we're going to cover those behaviors that are mentioned there and cover the, the new behaviors that are uh, the better life-giving behaviors. Um, and so the first one that we see there 
is we are supposed to avoid lying. And the passage gives us, it gives us a counterweight to lying. It says to speak truthfully to your neighbor. So it's the kind of truth that um, does not allow us to gain anything because of it. If we're speaking the type of truth that we're talking about here, it's not like you're saying, oh, you look terrible in that. Well, maybe you do. I know sometimes I look terrible. Not very often, but sometimes I do. It's not the type of truth that would make someone necessarily go, you know what, Uh, I want to hurt that person. Now, sometimes the truth can be painful, but it's not that type of truth. It's the type of truth that actually benefits the hearer. Um, We're not called to make them feel poor. Uh, If they feel poor as a result of the honest truth, we can't necessarily help that, but it should not be our aim. Matthew Henry says it in this, in this way. He says, truth is a debt that we owe to one another. So we tell people the truth about the gospel, that Jesus died for them and that he died for their benefit so that they can be set free from those old destructive behaviors and they can turn to him and live that new life full of life-giving behaviors, full of purposeful days, full of meaning and, and love Uh, Yes, they will still be hard at times. In fact, sometimes life is harder as a result of your faith. There's no lying there. That is true. Um, But it still leads to a life full of purpose and meaning. And and it goes away from the destructive um, behaviors of the old. The second behavior that we are to avoid is that we are to avoid anger. Um, Now, anger in and of itself isn't necessarily um, a bad thing. It's more of the wrath that is born out of anger or rooted in anger. And that's why it says, in your anger, do not sin. Um, Verse 26 shows us that we're supposed to deal with that as soon as possible because as anger sits in your soul, it festers and uh, and it becomes like a bad stench, something that you don't want around. It just kind of permeates um, the walls of your soul. And then it says uh, in verse 27, it warns us that letting that anger permeate or even marinate will actually give the devil a foothold in your life. Uh, Again, Matthew Henry in his great commentary reminds us that if we are to be angry at all, we are to be angry at sin. So anger itself, not the problem. It's the wrath that comes out of it. It's the stench that it brings to your soul. So deal with your anger as soon as possible. Then the final behavior that we are to run from is stealing. Now this seems obvious. It's in the Ten Commandments even, um, but it was obviously a a thing that needed to be noted again here in the book of Ephesians. And so really what the type of stealing that uh, they're referring to here is a deeper sense. It's not just taking something from somebody, like, like grabbing something off their desk or taking it from their home. It's really anything that causes you to be uh, or causes you to gain by force or fraud. Now that's 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 a pretty broad thing. Um, by that definition, I can look at my life and see that even though I may not have physically stole objects like you would think in stealing, that if you gain something, if I had gained something by force or if I had gained something by fraud, that would be lumped in with this type 
of stealing. So, but it just it doesn't just tell us that we're not to steal, right? Remember there's there's things to do instead. It gives us a remedy to that. It tells us to work. And you're like, "What?" But yes, it gives it says give them something meaningful to do with their hands. Now, joblessness does not necessarily lead to thievery. I'm not saying that at all. I don't think the Bible is saying that at all. What it's saying is, is that if you lack purpose and you lack meaning, that you're able, more apt rather, to fall into things that are destructive and not life-giving. So it says, do something useful with your hands so you don't fall into idleness. Don't be bored. Um, Pastor Matt Chandler, the pastor of the Village Church, says this. He says, if you are a Christian and you are bored, you're doing it wrong. And I love that because it's it's basically saying that no matter what your day looks like, you always have a purpose as a Christ follower, and that is to follow Jesus, to love God, and love your neighbor. Find ways to do that. You should not be bored. If you're a Christian and you're bored, you're doing it Wrong. So I want to close this section by saying this. Um, so much of our daily rhythms in this time with COVID have been interrupted. Um, and I believe that many people at times, at least maybe uh, in a broader um, period of time, but even in specific times, feel like maybe they're in an idle state uh, of one, you know, one particular way or another. Um, Whatever that is, if you've just felt like you're stuck or you can't tread the mud, whatever it feels like for you, I just want to encourage you um, with this. Busyness does not necessarily equal purpose. Um, Rest is not necessarily equal to being idle. Soul care and these times uh, will almost certainly look different than it did when the pandemic hit. So take time to evaluate the condition of your soul. Think about what it would take to care for your soul and make time for these. Fill your time with these types of things. I want to just give you mine really quick. Scripture, prayer, physical activity, golf, um, because I can't necessarily lump that into physical activity because my wife won't let me, but I still love that. Camping, going to the lake, our community group, outside, socially distanced, of course, um, but talking with those that I love as much as possible by any means possible. Identify what's good for your soul, make time for it, and give God the glory um, for those for those wonderful things. And then for those of us who are um, looking at this passage and realizing that part of the thing that it says and the part of the reason that we um, are to work is so that if there is somebody who has a need, we have something to share with them. So your soul is, if your soul is, is down and you can't produce something and it's just causing you to turn inward, um, it's, it's okay, but don't stay there because you are to do something with your life. And part of the reason you're to do something with your life is because there's other people who might benefit from the result of your doing something. So find the things that care for your soul. Find ways to share that with other people. Find ways to, of course, safely be with other people so that you can celebrate the new life that God has put in you so that you can mimic the life that Jesus lived to the best of your ability. And thankfully, we can can trust the Holy Spirit will fill in the gaps and that God's grace is sufficient where we get it wrong. But don't remain idle. 
do something, move forward, be productive with the things that you know God has put inside of you. I hope that's a blessing to you. Uh, I know it has been to me as I've studied it. Uh, I look forward to closing out chapter four next week and we'll see you then.